0: Before we start the podcast, a quick reminder. Our WQA Mid-Year Leadership Conference is fast approaching September 13th through the 15th, 2022 in Lake Tahoe, California. Join us and be a voice for the future of the water treatment industry. Go to WQA.org M-Y-L-C to learn more and get signed up. This is WQA Radio a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed.
1: I had to learn to really be more detail-oriented when I was talking instructions with some of the people that were on the team versus others, and it was something that I hadn't even considered. I just either thought they weren't getting what i wanted them to do uh, but and i really needed to understand that they needed to hear it a different way than the way that i was saying it
0: that's mike mitchell with helen of troy and pure talking about his communication style in a recent wqa essentials webinar this week's feature on the podcast and welcome to wqa radio where we bring you news and insights about the water treatment industry and promote better water quality around the world this is episode number 279 joining us for the first time or new to the industry welcome be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show that's the magic of podcasting and be sure to share the podcast with someone on your team or someone you know We're publishing this on August 10th of 2022. Find us at wqa.org on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. In this episode, we'll feature a segment from a recent WQA Essentials webinar that provided a look into different communication styles and their impact on the job. The discussion is led by Kelly Mudgett, Human Resources Director, North America, at Culligan International. The panelists are Claudia Millerun, Market Research Manager for Connecticut Incorporated, Mike Mitchell, Director of Advanced Technology at Pure, Rachel Cook, Director of Human Resources at Echo Water, and Irma Bishop, Master Water Specialist, General Manager of Halls Culligan. Later, we'll have our motivational minute and our WQA tip. Now, on to communication styles how to understand and adapt at work on WQA Radio.
2: Well, the first question kind of want to ask out to the panel, we'll we'll select a few of you to give us a response. But when you think of communication, how have you adjusted your communication style when you're working with someone with the opposite style? So Mike, maybe we'll start with you a little bit of kind of what <laughs> Claudia said being the opposite, right? Yeah. We need to all work together. So how have you adjusted in the past your, your style?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge point. And, I, you know, I, I try to always tell people that the, the beauty in organizations is the blending of a lot of different styles. So I think we all have roles and my role tends to be more upstream. And so I, I, have a, I see a lot of visions. And for me, it's easy to connect the dots on where things are going to go and how things are going to end up. But it's hard to always bring people along with that. So what I've had to do more of is at least try to come up with bullets or break up a project that you know a a functional person might say there's 30 steps that we have to do to this. I might come up with at least four steps that I can kind of say you know we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, this, and this, and I think that helps bridge the gap so that. The more functional person can take probably each one of my bullets and probably come up with 10 bullets, you know, that support that one bullet. But I've certainly learned that it's not enough to tell a good story, but I have to be able to kind of break that down into at least some sets so that people can kind of see the, the method that I use to kind of get there.
2: That's great. That's great. So Rachel, kind of going on the other end of uh, personal, so how have you adjusted when you're working with someone that's maybe more analytical or intuitive?
3: No, it's a, it's a great question. And one of the things that I'll say about, you know, personal communicators, so we we, we tend to value emotional language, like to build that connection. Um, a lot of listening catch on uh, to a lot of nonverbals, things like that. Uh, one of the biggest things that I'll say is when it comes to personal communication, especially to somebody who doesn't navigate towards that, uh, there's, a, there's a time and a place and there's an approach. So jumping right in and having an emotional conversation with somebody may not be impactful um, and you may get kind of a lot of whoa whoa that's a little bit I'm not ready for this um so it it all comes to and I really you can say this with any communication style is meeting people where they're at um being aware of how you tend to come off so somebody who, um somebody who for instance and you know you have some of the people who like to just get get it done get it done no and no emotions um whatsoever and um helping helping to understand too and helping to bring you know somebody who communicates differently or who doesn't think as much about the emotional side um how can you communicate that in a way um that helps an analytical person understand so maybe if there's or an intuitive somebody who wants to get it done um you know here's there's emotions and things like that are a factor and so how can you how can you help people understand that um, you know understanding maybe a connection or having a connection with somebody um, can help um, get things done and um, so I think there's just a lot of different ways but again meeting people where they're at and understanding there's a time and a place um, and one final thing I'll say is um, sometimes I'll tell people like hey I'd like to expand on this um, but kind of give them a heads up that I'd like to have a little bit more of a you know personal discussion about something, but get them kind of in the in in the right place for it so that um, they're ready to have that discussion and a little bit maybe more emotionally
2: prepared. I like that tip. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, very well, as a personal uh, also <laughs> on mine. Um, we'll take one more on this. So, Claudia, you seem pretty passionate. Maybe uh, how how have you adjusted being a functional person reaching out to some others?
4: Yes, and actually like one of the things that I learned early on in my career, I used to get so excited about all the data and details. What I learned early on was that, while people appreciate the end message in between, you, you can lose a lot of engagement if you don't have like, because Mike was like, for example, he will want like, okay, this is the end approach, but I will get so excited about, let me tell you these 20 steps I use to get to that. it. And at the beginning, uh, to be honest, like when I started I had a lot of people that were like, okay, why they're not engaging? I think like, you know, I'm interesting. like the data is interesting, what's going on. So actually the way I learned how to use the data and my communication style was like Mike says, start like on the overall, this is where we're going to go to the end. And while I don't expect you to get all the steps from A to Z, I'm going to give you a couple of letters in between how to. So what how I have adjusted is, start from the main topic and then just a couple of details as I talk oh one of the things also that I particularly get along well with analytical communicators because they are data driven so sometimes when you try to find like someone that it's interested in your data points you try to engage them as well to communicate uh, so I think it it's a communication style. Like, you know, you're like, I'm not just a functional communicator, it depends on who I'm talking with. You make your adjustments as well.
2: Great. Thank you. Um, and I think, you know, one, one piece when you kind of said it, you're not just maybe a functional communicator, I think a lot of people, while you did this survey and some of the questions, you know, like, well, I could be in between and you're forced to select. There are a lot of times that you might have two styles um, depending on the situation, right? that uh, that are your strong points, which which is great to be able to flex uh, on both. So the next question I have for the group is um, maybe share with um, the the group on the call today an example where maybe your communication style significantly either helped you to to move a a project forward or uh, be successful in a particular role, or the opposite when maybe your style was maybe a hindrance for a particular project or role and it was an aha moment of learning for yourself Um, at some point in your career. So uh, I'm going to start this one off with Irma. Sure.
5: I think um, for the analytical person, I think it's very important, um, you know, for them uh, is that they build trust with data um, is kind of what I've found out. And so I think where that kind of comes into play, um, especially when you're planning or goal setting or building a budget, as an example, um, you know, that you're looking at how much you're going to grow your business. And, And I would say that Maybe as an intuitive person, you're going to say, you know what, we're going to grow our business. We're going to double our business in three years, as an example. And and obviously that's an ultimate goal, but then you bring the data to kind of back that up and you see that maybe you're only growing two or 3%. And so you bring that data and, you know, again, having different communication styles and having different people in that planning stage can bring things more to, a, I think, a more realistic level, but I think that's where that analytical person, the person with the data can really, um, you know, back up, you know, realistically where, where, um, where the business is going to be at, um, you know, with the trends and all the information that they come in. And, and I know that sometimes can get cumbersome. I use it, you know, with our accounting team when they bring it, when they bring the data in and you know, although it can be uh, very unemotional, I think, you know, that you 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 can make some pretty good decisions with that. Um, you know, on, on the other end, um, you know, our business is very much one that, every department has a little bit of a different personality style. And I, I always use the sales and service, you know, for us that work, um, that have a sales team and a service team, for whatever reason we we you know the goal is to always work together as a team but usually the personality styles clash a little bit and then that's the communication style a, a sales rep tends to be a little bit more personal and so uh, you know sometimes that data doesn't help a lot um, if, if you that's all your trying to break that barrier with the sales team, as an example, um, you know, that that may be a little bit of a hindrance because you got to speak in a different way to, um, you know, uh, again, communicate what you want to get to and the the results you want to get. So if you're using that data to just back you up, that's not going to help a sales team that's uh, very, very personal and emotional in what they're doing and and their day to day activities.
2: Yeah, that's that's very good points. Mike, anything to add? Any personal uh, situations or examples where the style was helpful or a hindrance?
1: Yeah, no, I I think that was beautiful. Very well said, because I think it does depend on sometimes the groups that you end up working with, because we tend to migrate to things that are more comfortable for us. I I think when I was at Procter & Gamble, I, I was working on engineering teams, and my style, again, was more intuitive. So it was as i'm working with this large team of people that i'm trying to get to accomplish something i'm giving them what i felt was a lot of information on what i needed for them so go find a piece of equipment that does this and i needed to deliver this kind of a thing and you know let's get it installed and you know at a lot of times i would have t- trouble with that because they wanted more specifics around how do I get there? And how do I do this? And what do you want me to look for? And how should it be run? And and I honestly didn't care. You know, for me, it was just, I need a piece of equipment that mixes this stuff, go get it done. And so that would have been great for me for someone to ask me to do that. But there are people who don't see things and do things the way I do. So I, I had to learn to really be more detail oriented when I was talking instructions with some of the people that were on the team versus others. And it was something that I hadn't even considered. I just either thought they weren't getting what I wanted them to do, uh, but, and I really needed to understand that they needed to hear it a different way than the way that I was saying it. And, you know, much like what she was saying, I ended up migrating out of a role like that into more of an innovation space because it fit more my personality on, on how I like to communicate and, 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 and how I work. And so it fits better now. I, I work with a lot of innovative people. They like that kind of conversation, you know, tell me the big bucket. I can figure out the details on my own, but you know, I think it's important to recognize that people need to hear different messages. And sometimes it feels like, at one point I kind of took it personal. Like I told the guy, here's what I needed. And he was asking me for these details. And I'm thinking, you don't trust what I'm saying? Or I mean, why aren't you just doing what I'm asking? And it was really because he wanted more detail. It wasn't against me. It was just, he needed to hear things in a way that I wasn't saying it. So I think that's another point is really when you're having these communications and it feels like there's a miscommunication, try not to take it personal and, and maybe think that maybe they just need to hear the message differently than how I presented it and try to work on that.
0: And that was a segment from a recent WQA Essentials webinar, Communication Styles, How to Understand and Adapted Work. You can watch the entire webinar at WQA.org webinars. This program was presented by the WQA LEAD Mentorship Program. And now our Motivational Minute. What are you doing to differentiate yourself from the competition? What makes you unique in the eye of the customer? It's an important question these days, especially as we head into what could be an economic slowdown or perhaps even a recession. A story I heard some time ago from marketing expert Jay Abraham was about a consultant, maybe it was Jay himself, I'm not quite sure, who was getting a tour of a brewery. And they showed him how they processed and filtered the water and how that filtered water affected the beer that they produced. And he said, oh, this is fantastic. This is what you need to call out in your marketing. And they said, well, everybody does what we do. And Jay replied, but no one is saying it. So what is it that you want to be known for? What are you doing that even while others might be also doing it, the customer doesn't know? Highlight what makes you different. And that's our motivational minute. And now our WQA tip. If you have not yet registered for the WQA Midyear Leadership Conference. There's still time to register. It's coming up September 13th through the 15th in beautiful Lake Tahoe, California, the ideal setting to interact with colleagues in the industry in this year's Reimagine Conference. Our goal is to create professional relationships that build momentum toward innovation and change, resulting in better business and better water quality. By attending, you can help advance the water treatment industry. Everyone's welcome to attend. Come prepared to share your insights, challenges, and successes so others can benefit. Learn more at wqa.org slash m-y-l-c. And invite a coworker or colleague to join us. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at WQA.org. And of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio.